Welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we get to preview our first college tennis event of the 2023-24 season. Of course, as a bonus feature, we're going to have that event this weekend on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, the Malibu Showdown, Friday through Sunday. It features the Pepperdine men, Michigan men, Louisville men, and Kentucky men. They're all going to play in the dual match format throughout the course of the weekend against one another. We'll have coverage from first ball to last of each and every match throughout the course of the weekend. Of course, on today's show, what we want to do for for all of you listeners, is preview that event. And here's how you know the next college tennis season has officially begun is because joining me on the podcast for the first time in a long time is a man you all know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions. Never far from the listed UTR, the lean, mean, now Michigan Wolverine. It's our dear friend. Chris Halioris back on the podcast once again today. Chris, hey, a great shot. I have missed you, my friend. Welcome home. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Frankly, I was just I was thrown off because I had that intro so memorized that when one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames didn't come up, I was thrown off. I was <laughs> you put me off kilter. Uh, well, yeah. That's good. That means the new year has begun. And again, new year, new intro. Obviously, that is alluding to the fact that your nephew, Trevor Fauché, now the assistant at Michigan, as if we didn't get enough accusations of bias, at least now we can own that one on the sleeve because, you know, again, I would argue you're more biased at this point than me. He's family. There's no doubt. Oh, I'm quacking all of that out at the start. That's good. We're back. It's hot. We're rocking and rolling. West off. You know what to do exactly with that joke. It was funny. It will never be heard by the public. Um, <laughs> welcome back. It's funny. You know, again, this is a silly story for all of the listeners. It's a conversation I had recently. I was back in Ann Arbor visiting my former college roommate. Well, he was my college roommate, former roommate Blake Ahadi, who's now a business student there in the NBA program. And I, you know, you know, the sort of questions. Is that, I like, is that like I, the 12 year program or what? No, come on. This is, <laughs> come on. It's He's in the Ross School of Business. Don't you dare slander a Michigan institution. I'm, I'm You're a lead Wolverine you, now. How long ago were you a student? Come well, on. You, you obviously don't understand how business school works. You Graduate undergrad, you go work for a few years, and then you go take a three-year vacation in business school. It's or two-year oh, okay. vacation, okay. whatever it is. It's I think it's two years. It's remarkable. Um, anyways, yeah, that's where we went wrong, Chris, because tennis never sleeps. Anyways, I was chatting with him, and I was like, dude, who do you think the closest friend you've made since we've graduated college is? And you couldn't have known them beforehand. And we're going through the list. And I kind of, with a little shame on my face, I was like, all right, this is going to be crazy, but I'm pretty sure my closest friend has received his AARP card in the mail. Like, I just want you all to know, that's where we are in life. That's why I'm so excited to have you back on the show, because listeners don't realize this. It'll be like 
9.30 p.m. Pacific time when I'm on the West Coast as I was for three weeks this summer. And I will call Chris because I know he's not up to anything. And, and he will pick up the phone. He'll be like, oh, I'm about to get into bed. What? And I'm like, oh, no, it's nothing. It's nothing. And then he's like, no, no, no. What is it? And I probably rant at him for an hour. And then uh, I was yeah. saying an hour later. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> an hour later, my wife goes, well, who are you talking to? Yeah, exactly. And so anyways, to get to have you back on the show, to get to share those discussions with our listeners, like I said, this is how you know the start of the season is upon us. You are back. We are ready to talk Malibu Showdown and just quick logistics for everyone one more time, and then we'll get into our preview. Three days of action, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On Friday and Saturday, the matches are going to be 1 and 5 p.m. Eastern time. On Sunday, those matches will be noon and 4 p.m. Eastern time. Now, I believe Friday schedule, Michigan Pepperdine first, Kentucky Louisville second. The next day, I believe, is Pepperdine Kentucky first, Michigan Louisville second. Sunday, it's Michigan Kentucky first, Pepperdine Louisville second. Again, you can find all of those info, uh, all that info on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. There will be individual streams for each match. We're going to interview coaches. We're going to interview players. We're going to have a a lot of fun Friday through Sunday Malibu showdown our first college broadcast of many on the year we're ready to get rocking and rolling what Chris and I want to do today I suppose a little preview of what you can expect over the next few months as we get into our college tennis top 10 preview shows we're going to do an abridged version of that I want to talk about all four of the teams we'll have competing this week we'll remind you all where they left off what the roster looks like I want to ask Chris what he's most intrigued to see about each of these teams. I'm curious who he's most intrigued by team uh, from a broader team perspective as we look at this weekend. Again, I want you to feel up to snuff on everything. No predictions really necessary because we don't really know what the matchups are. I'm sure all of these coaches will play around, but we do want you to feel prepared, know who you're seeing. So we'll run you through all of that info here on today's show. With that said, Chris Hallioris, before the podcast, I asked one thing of you. I said, rank these teams one through four, most to least interesting. Now, I'm not just playing cop out here. I'm being sincere. I think all these teams are pretty interesting for a vast uh, uh, for a vastly different reasons, excuse me, that we have competing this weekend. Number four on this list does not mean they are uninteresting, but I'm curious of all of these cases because you obviously have two top 10 teams in Michigan, Kentucky, coming off of last season, both quarterfinalists outdoors, semifinalists indoors. They're losing some big guns at the top of their lineup. You have a Pepperdine team that loses some big guns, certainly adds some, and they have been top 30 now, I think, five consecutive seasons. Louisville made a really strong push at the end of last year. Second round NCAAs, really well done from that group. They have the two highest ranked players coming into the weekend, or two of the five, whatever it may be. A lot of intrigue across the board. Who is number one on your list? Where do you want to start and why? Are you starting at one or four? Where are we starting? Ooh, you know what? Here's a new policy. You're the guest. You choose. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll start at the bottom. I think the least interesting, and obviously this has no bearing on you know how good they are. I just think from an interest standpoint for me is probably Louisville. I, I feel I feel like that, you know, yeah, they obviously they lose Fabian Sala. Uh, 
Mizrahi was basically a solid six. Hernandez played. Westbrook's didn't. Uh, you know, in guys they lost. They've got one one guy coming in that I think that's, you know, for sure, probably, you know, cracking the lineup. But I I kind of feel like at the top, and you talked about it, they've got the two highest ranked guys uh, returning. I've, I just feel like there's more to me. There's almost more known. And it seems like they're going to be a little, they're probably the team that I feel like will be closest to what they were last year of these four teams. Uh, now they're all going to be a completely different shell of what they were from a year ago, but I think this team is, is the closest. They didn't lose as much as we're going to talk about in some of these other teams impact wise. And I just feel like for that reason, we know a little more. So it's not quite as interesting because it's, it's a little more known. You look for this Louisville squad. They finished last season 34 in the country. They go 17 and 12 overall. NCAA round two loss, I believe. I was going to say Texas, but that was Pepperdine. You look for uh, this Louisville team. They were knocked out. I will have it for us all in a moment. I apologize. By it wasn't Michigan, was it? No, it was Ohio State. That's what it was. They were knocked out by Ohio State in round number two. You mentioned it. Four players exiting via graduation in terms of contributors they do lose Fabian Sale who's 14 and 4 at the number 3 spot David Mizrahi 10 and 9 in the bottom half of the lineup certainly got some run from Sergio Hernandez 11 11 in the bottom half of the lineup as well Westbrooks didn't really play five newcomers is a lot they're all freshmen you look at uh, some of the names on this list i would point out you have a top 2 uh top 250 junior player in Miguel of Avendano, and I apologize if I'm butchering that pronunciation, but career high 220 in the ITF junior rankings. Uh, another player you mentioned, Kasuke Nakanishi, uh, he was another top ranked junior. I think you mentioned there what the UTR looks like and where he's coming in with. But again, for this team, they do have some crutches they can lean on early in the season. You mentioned uh, Etienne Dene. He went 19-5 and overall last year, 13-3 and in the number two spot. Dene now entering his final season, obviously transferred to Oklahoma State, now back at Louisville. Uh, that's experience in one spot. He's 24 in the country in the preseason rankings. Natan Rodriguez now entering his third year on the job. He's number 42 in the rankings. You look for Rodriguez last season, 9-9 nine and nine overall, 8-8 eight and eight at the top spot. But you bring back your top two guys. That's always a nice, again, crunch, uh, crutch to lean on early in the season as you figure out which freshman or, again, whether it's a Matt Fung, whether it's an Andre Steinbach, who's going to hop in and fill in the gaps left in the lineup. It's an interesting team to me because I think they're very much on tournament bubble watch. And for a team under Rodrigo De Silva, who I believe now is in his fourth year on the job, they've made the tournament the last two. You hear rave reviews of their assistant, Mario Rincon, as well. I know a lot of people have gotten to work with him, whether it be on the collegiate team or you know through his, just again, being around the college tennis world, people rave about him, certainly. For what it's worth, Rodrigo De Silva, former Pepperdine assistant, knows the area well. What's the ceiling for this team this year, Chris? Again, they have a real top two. If they hit one and a half out of the five freshmen, is this a team that's flirting with the NCAA tournament? I mean, they should be in the NCAA tournament. Like I said, they're they're going to be the closest team, I think, to being kind of where they were 
last year that yeah sure they they lost a couple a couple guys that are were going to that were contributors but i fully expect and you mentioned it in in avandano and and nakanishi i expect those guys to contribute and play and i think you know it'll it won't be a huge deviation from where they were last year in in swapping those guys in the lineup and i i think i think bubble contender would be probably selling them short they shouldn't be a bubble contender they should be in the field uh and i would think it would it'll be a little disappointing for that team if they find themselves just fighting to make the field they should make the field i haven't done all of my acc research but you know virginia what they are UNC's retooling now there's a lot of talented players but they're retooling Duke is going to be very good this season Georgia Tech you bring back Martin McDaniel build from there they're obviously going to be a pretty solid squad but you know again Sal Rodriguez build from there is a pretty good place for this Louisville team to start you look at a Notre Dame team Domenico a lot of questions after that Clemson some questions Miami some questions Absolutely. Florida State's got questions. Yeah, no, I mean, Louisville belongs in the ACC hunt, or excuse me, in the NCAA tournament hunt this year. You're right. Like, they should finish top 40 again. Second round or better should be the expectation at the NCAA tournament. Certainly winning a match there feels like the minimum. It's a program that continues to get better and better with each passing season. I think they'll continue to improve as well. And look like, again, they've got the big guns coming back. That's the big thing this weekend. Rodriguez and Sale are the two top guns who have played in those top positions before. Michigan doesn't have that. Pepperdine doesn't have that. Obviously, Lapidot's been exceptional, but he wasn't one or two, you know, again. And so that's a step up, assuming he will be sitting near or at the top of that lineup for Kentucky this weekend. You, you're right. You know more about this Louisville team that brings in five freshmen. You feel like you almost know more about them than some of the than the other three squads. So I understand your level of interest there. Who's three on your list? Let's move on. I mean, three. It's this is a this is a tough one. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Pepperdine at three. I think they're actually they're the most interesting from like a complete turnover almost right i mean they lose that they're doing like wholesale swaps but the the fact that the other two teams that we're going to get to finished the year as top 10 teams uh kind of is going to make them that they they become very interesting no matter what pepperdine finished number number 29 that uh, that I think is going to be a little more of what you were describing with Louisville in my mind is this is a really uh, that's the challenge for this team is can they get themselves to be a bubble hunt team? You know, can can they get into the field? It's going to be tough to do what they did last year. And last year they had DeJong, Zietvogel, right? Irovasa. I mean, that's losing those three guys right there is huge. They bring in one for sure contribute contributor in the Australian Edwin Edward Winner. But after that, I it's you know, it's gonna be tough. So it, it it will be very interesting to see how the lineup works out and how many of the new guys contribute. I just don't it's gonna be a rough, a rough year for them to try to get anywhere close to what they were last year. 
which is going to make it, uh, yeah, interesting from that perspective. But I think, uh, you know, a tough year for Coach Shackerley and and and, and Tosilo coming up here. We're going to see what, you know, what kind of coaching job they can do. I don't know if I agree with you. And again, they lose their top three. Daniel DeJong, who goes 13-7 and seven in dual match play at the top two spots. Zeet Vogel, 10-6 and six at the top two spots. Uh, they were 16-2 and two overall at the number two spot last year. So again, losing, I suppose, that number two spot as a lock, a big deal. Vasa, 9-10 and 10 overall in dual match play. Here's the thing, though. Pepperdine was really good in the bottom half of the lineup last year. And, you know, they bring back a Max Holmberg in his second season. He goes 18-7, and seven, team leader in dual match singles victories uh, last year. They bring back a Pietro Felli, and we know the top level he's capable of playing. Can he stay healthy? Can he be fit? You know, if so, that's another point in the lineup for sure. You know, again... Edward Winter, who you mentioned, number five newcomer in the ITA rankings, top 600 pro ranking, top 100 junior ranking. We haven't seen him play yet, but listening to Coach Shackley talk about him in our interview this week, which you can go here at the Cracked Interviews podcast, he feels like Winter will certainly be a contributor right away and maybe even ready to contribute at the top of the lineup. A contributor, yeah. He's playing one. Let's yeah, just... well, but here's the thing. They <laughs> also on. bring in a couple of pretty solid transfers. I believe Tyler Davis uh, comes over from Division Two. George Davis from William & Mary, where he was an all-conference player and I think first-team selection uh, each of the past couple of seasons in singles and doubles. So again, you're starting to build out that similar depth depth where if Homer makes a jump, Winter is that good. Felline, okay, that's your top three. Now one of the Davises click, you've got four guys there. Again, you'll need a a healthy Linus Carlson-Halden. He hasn't been. Uh, Someone of Shelton or, you know, again, one of these other guys going to have to make a jump. But they have... uh, I think the depth can be there. Again, especially if Winter is as good as advertised. I think this team's right back in a top 30 hunt. Obviously, last year, 19-9 overall. Tournament champions, of in uh, conference tournament champions. DeJong and Zeet Vogel make the semis and doubles. Second round loss to Texas NCAAs. I think the bar is another top 30 season. Like, I think the talent is there to do that, Chris. And that's got to be the goal. I think it's yeah. a, I, I think it's a stretch goal, to be honest. I mean, look, you, you mentioned it. They went 16 and two at the two spot. It doesn't matter what spot it is. A point's a point, right? So you're getting a point at two every time. Let's say winners, let's say that winter's coming in and playing one. He's the substitute for the three that left. So he's got to go 16 and two to, to <laughs> maintain that point, right? At the one spot. It's it's tough. I will say the the guy to me that becomes sort of key, and you mentioned it there, was Pietro Felon. I mean, we saw two years ago the guy was playing two and he looked great, uh, and he was he was tough to beat. Just didn't do it last year, and you know he's got to get healthy and he's got to be able to produce, and that that's going to be a key for them. They're they're going to need him. Uh, look, I've seen from from the East Coast and the Liberty days, I've seen a fair amount of George Davis. He's probably at William and Mary. He's going to be a guy that's going to battle for time at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, it's not going to. He's not going to be one of those guys looking to looking to put points up for them in the top three. I just don't know where that comes from for them this year. I think that's that's going to be the struggle. Somebody hopefully will step up. But yeah, I think I think getting to where they were last year, uh, when you look compare roster to roster, it's going to it's a tough ask. So they got a lot they got a lot of work ahead of them. Yeah, I, I, it is fascinating. They opted out of the kickoff draft. Uh, they are that weekend hosting Michigan State, 
UC Davis, and I'm blanking on who the fourth team is, but it's a very interesting fourth team. I really like the event that they're putting on. I think it's like the two days after kickoff weekend ends. Look, we'll learn about this team. Pepperdine doesn't schedule lightly. We will certainly see them throughout the course of the season. It's it's interesting because there are some older players who we've seen contribute, but certainly some young guys who will be looking to make a big jump at the top of the lineup, which sets the scene for our final two teams, Chris. Michigan, Kentucky, who's two on the list? I, mean, I think, to me, two's got to be Michigan. All right. Uh, make, explain the case. What are you most interested to see? Oh, wait, wait. Before we do that, what are you most interested to learn about Pepperdine this weekend? I, the, for me, it's just, I mean, I, the who they lost so many. Who's playing and what? just what kind of depth do they have? I, we have a fair idea of the better guys on the team. I want to see how good are the guys that are going to be playing four, five, and six. Like, who is it and, and what kind of depth do they have? We know they've got some talent, and that talent will will bubble up. But what's going to be playing the bottom of the lineup? And that's where you're going to win or lose your matches for them. So uh, that's what I'm interested to see. I think we have that question about every team, right? Louisville, five freshmen, Pepperdine, who fits where? Michigan, Kentucky, fitting in all these new pieces as well. It's what we're so excited to have that action this weekend because, yeah, this is when you learn who fits where, who's stepping up, who's in form as we enter this season. Michigan's number two on this list. What intrigues you most about the Wolverines? Yeah, I think the, the reason that they're, they're, they're number two and not one is, look, we know they lost their top three. They lose Styler. They lose Fenty. They lose Maloney. That's a lot of loss. There's really not a lot of, uh, you know, not, not a lot else going on in the off season. They had a couple commits that aren't coming. They're, they're basically rolling as of now. And, you know, and, and surely they're still out there looking, but as of now, they're basically rolling the same, you know, the same team, if you will, out there. So yeah, you're still going to see Bickersteth. You're still going to see Cooksey. You're still going to see Nino. You're still going to see Gavin Young. And then you're going to get to see more of some guys that we saw a little of in, say, Bjorn Swenson, and somebody else is going to play uh, in that sixth spot. But I still feel like it's a fairly well-known commodity, if you will. You're just you're taking three guys out and sliding three guys up, but it's guys that have been around that we know, which doesn't make it quite as interesting. I will definitely be interested to see who is, like you said, it's the same question with all of them. Nobody knows coming into the year who's going to step up and make the lineup in that in those bottom spots. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who it is there. But uh, I think for, for me, you know, my bigger questions are about who's not here because they they need, they need depth. They, they need to go find somebody else. This is a team just like, you know, there are several teams every year that we go, yeah, just wait and see if they get a January commit. Like, you know, Florida came up with a couple last year, right? Near and Dorn and all Orlikowski or what, but, or who's going to be a, a, can they find a January commit? They need another body in there, but I don't think there's any doubt that we're going to see, you know, Gavin Young, Nino, Bickersteth, uh, and, and Cooksey and Bjorn Swenson from last year. Those five guys are somewhere in there. I don't know who the sixth guy is, but that's the lineup. Yeah, look, this Michigan team's coming off of a remarkable four, two, however long, really, the Fenty-Maloney run where they make a couple of NCAA quarterfinals, semifinals, obviously, last year, national indoors as well. Styler makes the singles final, and you lose Styler. 
You lose an All-American in singles and doubles in Andrew Fenty. You lose a guy in Maloney who was flirting with most outstanding player at the indoors for a hot second there with the way he and, you know, Styler were playing dubs and the way he was getting victories in singles. And you could just, you could feel the value to his team. And Can I just say to get a good smile from you, Gruskin, he's flirting with a lot more than that right now. Got a smile out of me. Um, <laughs> look, all three are gone. And not only that, they play the top three singles positions. Now, to your point, Gavin Young returns, and there were moments when Young was absolutely brilliant last season. Young, uh, I believe, 14-8 overall in dual match play and enters as the number tw- uh, 31 player in the country in the preseason rankings. You know, Will Cooksey put up the quietest undefeated number six singles position uh, at the national indoors that we'll ever see and comes in for what it's worth, 85 in the country in the preseason rankings. Bickerstaff's won tens of matches in the Wolverine uniform, 16 and seven overall last year. And, you know, again, I think he would consider that a down year by his standards. He'll be looking to bounce things up as he moves up the lineup. And look, you know, Aaron Schneider, seven and five last year, wasn't healthy to start the season. Certainly as he got progressively healthier, played better and better tennis throughout the course of the year. Yeah, look, again, you know, Gavin, you know, Bick, you know, Nino, they're all going to have to step up a level of singles flight in the singles lineup. We saw Cooksey in spades, but he's going to be asked to do it for six months consecutively. I know he dealt with a bunch of different injury things last year, but, you know, again, this will be his first full season very likely in the lineup for him this year. And so that's asking a question that I think he's capable of answering. Same with Swenson who did not play much last year, 3-3 three and three overall in dual match play. Uh, obviously was a highly touted junior, going to have to deliver this year if Michigan wants to hold the its ground in the Big Ten, in the national scene. Will it be a Patorn, who we've seen in limited play at the bottom of the lineup, a Mert Oral, a Nicholas Stengliner, or will there be a late addition? That's a good question to ask. Um, again, you have questions all over the lineup because while we know the players, they're all stepping up calibers of singles flights and again who's five who's six who's competing for that final spot what does the doubles lineup look like that might be the even bigger question because you lose half your doubles lineup and you know again Gavin and Fenty were top 10 in the country Styler and anyone you got a chance in a double set of no ad scoring obviously the energy Maloney brings in college doubles again that is a solid half of a doubles lineup you feel like you have two halves you're certain in in Nino and Gavin Bickersteth played progressively better doubles throughout the course of last season, but I think he would be the first to say there's still some work to be done there. Cooksey and flashes, but again, what are the combinations? Right now, Nino and Gavin are 25 in the country, but okay, if they're your one team, who's two? Who's three? What does that look like? There are some serious questions here for a team that, by the way, has a new head coach, has a new assistant, Sean Mamie. And Trevor Fauché, you know what's funny? I forgot the assistant's name for a second, and then I looked at you, and I was like, you're dumb, Alex. Uh, <laughs> Sean and Trevor, like, again, the the Steinberg era is over. And what I mean by that is Adam Steinberg teams play a certain way. There's an energy. There's a noise level. I'm not saying they're not going to bring a same degree of passion to the court, but how do they communicate that passion? Will we still get the loud, boisterous Michigan we've had of the last half decade, or will there be a subtle shift? And again, 
I'm just interested to watch. There's a new head coach. Um, and it's Michigan, and you're really biased towards them, lean, mean, Michigan Wolverine, Chris Halioris. Um, yeah, I, I, again, a lot of questions everywhere. It'll be fascinating because these, you know, Louisville pushed them 4-3 last year. And I know I don't think Maloney played that match in singles, but they had Fenty and Styler, and Louisville still pushed them to 4-3. You know, Michigan and Kentucky have seen one another over the course of the past couple of seasons. Michigan-Pepperdine, that's a very fun matchup. There are no gimmies. Like, we'll know right away what caliber of team is. Are, is this a Michigan team that belongs in the NCAA tournament conversation firmly? If they separate themselves, are they still top 25, top 16 caliber? Let's answer those questions this weekend. Uh, any final thoughts on Michigan? Are you ready to move on to Kentucky? Yeah, I think you you touched on it. The, to me, it, it's it's actually a non-tennis uh, point. But the, what is what am I looking forward most to seeing out of the this this weekend out of these guys? I do think it's uh, the latter of the things you mentioned, and that is I think we see a subtle shift. The 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 really loud you know back and forth go blue chance this that was very much Adam Steinberg isn't quite so much Sean Mamie right and I think we'll see yeah obviously the guys are still going to be very passionate as you said and into it I just don't think it'll be uh, you know at quite as loud and it'll be a different kind of of passion if you will but I'm looking forward to, to seeing how the guys that were on the team last year doing it that way come into this year. And how are they carrying that forward? I'll also just say this. I've played on those courts at Pepperdine. Thank you to Coach Shaq for allowing me and Gil Gross to hit there. They are perfect conditions for people who live in Michigan. Like, just perfect. Um, And I'm just throwing that out there for what it's worth. I think it's an off-the-bat. You know, those are the sort of insights we can provide here at Cracked Rackets. That said, last but certainly not least, as their number one most interesting on Chris Halliori's list— are, is, whatever the the correct grammar, the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky number five last season to end the year, 27-5, and five, NCAA quarterfinals. Very well could have beaten national champs, Virginia. National indoor semis, SEC tournament champs. They lose some names. Olafi Ayeni, number two singles last year. Obviously a critical doubles player as well. Top of the lineup with Taha Body. He's out. Liam Draxel has been the connective thread for what has been this Kentucky rise. He is likely out. As well, although John Parsons was skeptical, a little bit more skeptical in the last deciding point that we did, uh, for what it's worth, uh, Chris. They also lose Sorbo, LeBlanc, and Nama. They bring in three freshmen, all interesting. We'll talk about them in a moment. Their ranked players, Taha Body in singles at 94, Body Kosne 41, Mercer Weeks at number 50. Chris, what intrigues you most about this team? Why are they number one on your why, list? You caught me off guard with the Draxel thing. Why Why is has he – he's the one himself that posted he was gone. I so. know, but there was something about a post was deleted or something. Oh, something. Okay. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying this is what Jay said. Let's have some fun here. Interesting. All right. Yeah, no. So, I mean, clearly I think what's – yeah, they lose – you're losing Draxel and Ianni in the top two spots. Lop it out. We know – I mean – it was it it was at at you know five a couple of years ago and three last year where you know we're having to he's had had to step up and he's answered the the bell every time. There's nothing that tells me he's not going to answer the bell again. But it is going to be a step up. He's probably going to be playing that top spot. Um, 
And just a quick note, statistically, here's the top four for Kentucky last season. A top four they rode very, very much throughout the course of the year. Draxel 19 and 8. Ienny 18 and 9. You know, again, Lapidot 23 and 4, but he's going to be asked to move up a couple of spots. Ienny uh, 18, uh, excuse me, 19 and 8, 16 and 8 at four singles. He's going to be asked to move up a couple of spots. Like their top four was that good, and they lose the top half of it. Like it's just that's where it's this conversation has to start. Yeah. So you're looking at exactly Lapidot and and body there. And and then you've got the you've got the the freshman coming in for the Australian coming in that's going to I well, think well, fill in. I think we should get to them in a second because I think next one of these freshmen and we said this last year you just got to get one of Jaden Weeks and Charlotte Cosne to click and to their credit it felt like in every match at least one of them did Weeks fifteen and ten overall clinches the NCA uh, SECs excuse me Cosne twelve and eleven. Like they had good freshman season considering they were asked to contribute to the highest caliber level of a college tennis team. But they gotta step up again next season. And given what they lost, like fifteen and ten and twelve and eleven is not gonna be good enough, right? Like one of those guys has to rip off a two thirds or seventy percent win percentage sort of season. Like that's isn't that the next question? And yeah. I guess my question is who do you think's more likely to do it? I was going to say that they're both capable in totally different ways. I think the upside gain is higher for Jaden Weeks. I mean, he just, he didn't, honestly, in my mind, he didn't have a great year. He's just got so much potential and he never really seemed to be able to cash in on it. Cosne almost... Just quickly on that, because the ball explodes off Jaden Weeks' racket. It's just so easy for him to be the aggressor excuse me 15 and 10 for a freshman is very good like that's what again for a team that was top eight in the country number five to end the year like I would push back and say he had a solid freshman season but to your point he never had a dominant month like he never had and he was a late addition for what it's worth and maybe part of that is what contributes to that but like you're right he never had that month where it was like oh no like he he's got it like he solved it. And it just feels like that month, to your point, is absolutely in him. Yeah, I think I think he's the guy with the big upside. And 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 Jan the January commits when I mean, we've talked about this many times. It's not easy, especially granted, he's only coming from Canada, not Europe, but still the January commits just coming into college American college tennis and figuring out what the whole scene is about and that it's a team thing and not an individual thing. And there's other guys relying on you and the pressure that puts on you that it's not you to win the match, but you're winning the match for the team. It's yeah. A lot of times it takes most of the year to figure that out, but I still think his upside game is just that much better. Cosne, Look, I made no bones about it last year. I'm in love with watching the Cosne backhand. But if you change that one-hander from being a beautiful one-hander to watch to a two-hander that's just solid, the game's just a grind. And it's not the upside that Jaden Weeks had. Like, as you said, the ball doesn't explode off the racket, which is why I say the upside is there for Jaden Weeks. He's the guy that's going to have to step up. But look... Cosne is still going to be in the lineup this year. So they need a jump from him as well. And then a local Louisville kid here, Eli Stevenson uh, coming in. He's going to have to, to he's probably going to have to make uh, his mark in, in the lower end of that lineup for them. 
Yeah. Talk to me about the international juniors they brought in because both of them pretty highly acclaimed in the ITF junior rankings. I mean, yeah, loud it. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a he's a thirteen plus UTR. Anytime you see that for a freshman coming in, you you're immediately thinking, yeah, this is somebody that has got to got to contribute. You know, one of the many uh, Australian uh, kids that have come over. I was going to say from New Zealand, career high junior ranking forty three. Yeah, I mean you yeah you get a you get a top hundred junior uh, if you will, and there there's going to be some expectations. I think he's definitely going to be in that. Uh, you know, he's going to be competing. You know, with with Jaden, I don't know that, and you're not you don't want especially if you have the luxury not to have to. You don't want to put a freshman at the top. Lapidot and Body probably deserve those top two spots in in, in that order, but. You know he's going to compete with Jaden Weeks in that three-four realm, uh, and then after that, you know who knows? Cosne is going to be battling there. Eli Stevenson is going to be battling, and as you said, uh, you know one JJ Mercer still around. You've How about Matt couple- Rankin? Matt Rankin, yeah, the yeah, freshman say, from you, Scotland. Matt Rankin coming yeah, in, who's- sixty-eight career high in the junior rankings. That ain't yeah. sh- too shabby. He's going to be another one that's kind of battling. So I expect a battle really with. With Rankin, with Stevenson, with Cosne, with JJ Mercer to fill out the, and then you still got Christoph Clement coming back from last year, uh, you know, battling for the bottom end of of that lineup. I think those top four guys are locks. They're playing in weeks, body, Lapidot, Laudit, and then, you know, and then we get the battle starting at five. Well, here's the thing though, to your point, I think Laudit, Cosne, Mercer, Rankin, I think two of those four guys can work in the five and six spots, uh, or even the four through six spots. Three of those guys can work between Laudit, Kosne, again, Mercer, uh, Rankin, if Stevenson can contribute immediately. Those are real pieces right away, and you feel like, again, given what we saw from Kosne and uh, Weeks last year, you, you feel like those are real pieces that can compete in the middle of any lineup. If one of those freshmen click, now again, you feel pretty good about five of your guys. If Mercer's your six, we've seen Mercer at six. He can be more than serviceable at that number six spot, particularly early in the season indoors. They're a real team in what is a pretty open SEC, right? Like South Carolina brings back a lot of returners, but tons of new faces at Tennessee. It's a new era at Florida. Obviously, you know, Mississippi State has some lingering pieces that are pretty darn good, but like on a turnover at Georgia, Georgia, a ton of turnover at Georgia. The SEC is fascinating. And that's a conversation we will have as we continue to approach the start of the season. But why can't it be Kentucky? Again, it's just like it feels like we don't know much about any of those SEC teams. So I am excited to learn about them again. Do you have the team UTRs in front of you, Chris, by chance? The Power Six. Can you rank them for me? On the spot. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at the roster. I'm looking for where the actual Power Six number is. Yeah, Kentucky, seventy-seven point four three. Uh, Louisville, 76.3. Okay. Pepperdine in UTR has only got four guys. So that's just not Not applicable. Yeah. We got to get, we got to get coach Shackley on the ball here. Michigan 7707. So it looks like Kentucky, Michigan, Louisville, 
And I would say Pepperdine's probably going to be below them anyway if you fill them in. So it's probably that order. Kentucky, Michigan, Louisville, Pepperdine. All right. There you go. Do you have predictions for me? You want to give me the records? Again, everyone plays everyone. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it, it's so tough to say in these preseasons because I don't even think ev- what we're not going to see is all four teams playing their best lineup every day because <laughs> they want to win. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's not the goal here. It's a fall tournament. The matches don't count for wins and losses. They need the coaches need to learn about their guys and they need to get their guys experience. So it's really tough to say who's going to win because we're going to just see some variations in lineups. Um, but if but if I had to put it all online, I'll I'll say Kentucky comes out unscathed somehow. I, I think they they're I think they're still the class here. I think they go three and zero. Uh, and the question is, does that mean the other three teams all go one and two, or does somebody go two and you know two and one, and then we have a one and two and an zero and three? Yeah, that, I'm not even going to make a call there. All right, so no predictions from Chris Hallioris in the prediction section. I like it. We will not see a winless team. That's my prediction for the weekend. Everyone's getting a win. I agree with you. I'm not sure where that's going to happen, but no 0-3s. That's my prediction. And the best part is we're going to have coverage. First ball to last starting this Friday of the Malibu Showdown. Again, Louisville, Pepperdine, Michigan, Kentucky matches on Friday and Saturday, 1 and 5 p.m. Eastern time. Sunday is 12 and 4 p.m. Eastern time. Every match stream available individually on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Hopefully, Chris Hallioris will pop in at some point to join us. So we look forward to seeing you then. Any final thoughts before we wrap today's show? No, I will definitely be popping in at some point, uh, if not, you know, more than one point. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the start and early start to the season. But yeah, great. I mean, a great set of teams, good, good atmosphere, good venue. I wish we were out in Malibu with them. That's all I can say. But uh, yeah. We'll, we'll virtually be in Malibu this weekend. Our hearts will be there, certainly, as will our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Of course, a shout-out to Super Producer Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. He's the one who makes all of our broadcasts possible as well. Certainly looking forward to getting back, rocking and rolling with him this weekend. With all of that said, for the fantastic Chris Hallioris, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Yeah, I knew you were going to do that to me, and I have no idea whether we're on a mini break or a great shot pod. It is a great shot podcast. So with that in mind, leave that in. But what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. We're back, and we will see you all this weekend. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>